Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, 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 Autumn Miles here. How are you guys doing today? It's a beautiful day in the DFW Metroplex. And I just feel the need to tell you, we record a week ahead of time here at the Autumn Miles Show. And actually today we are releasing the third um, book, Baby, that God has given me the opportunity to write. And we're thrilled about it. So if I slur my words or sound like I don't make sense or tur- turn to the wrong passage, it's because in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have recorded today, but we're doing this thing. We are so pumped about the show that we, the shows that we have today. Um, and really our entire team is just celebrating this release. Um, it has been a big deal for us. I know you guys heard all last week about, you know, what the book was about and stuff like that. And um, I just really do believe that we need to revive and resurrect prayer life uh, in the church. I don't think it is valued um, the way it should be. Um, lots of churches do it right. They do it amazing. Um, but it is the most that we can do, not the least. Everything in my life is a result of answered prayer. Everything, everything that I'm living right now is a result of that. So go order the book. Oh, sounds, feels so good to say order. Go order the book, order it. Um, and you can pick it up where books are sold, your favorite retailer. Also, would you please, um, write a book review if you read it and, um, you know, want, want to be so kind. We would love for you to review it. People don't understand how important these book reviews are. They're, they're a super, super big deal to authors, but we are celebrating that today. And I'm just overwhelmed and amazed at what God will do through his people. Um, it wasn't just me. My name's on the book, but there's a team of people that edited this thing that came up with the cover art for this thing that marketed this thing. So, um, we are as a team celebrating today. So it's a, it's, it's such a team effort. I love team efforts. Uh, it's amazing. Much like the radio show. If Dan wasn't here, you wouldn't be hearing me. He's, um, big part of our team. Okay. Today I want to transition over to this thought. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you seen, but do not see, have you seen, but do not see now that might sound a little catchy to you, a little tricky to you. It's a good sermon title. Um, this is what I mean by that. Sometimes we can look at other people's lives and, um, we can see God working in other people's lives. Um, I can see Cassie in front of me and I can see what God does for her on a regular basis. I can, I can see what God does for my friends and for my family, for my church member, for my husband or for my kids or whatever. But sometimes we are blinded by what God will do for us. Okay. Um, we can even believe for somebody else. Like, uh, I could believe for someone else's healing. I can believe for someone else's miracle, finances, whatever it is. 
However, when it comes to me and my stuff, sometimes it's a little bit harder. And I find that that is where a lot of us are. We can look at other people and say, you know, I believe God's going to do that for you. Um, I believe that God is going to come through. Um, God can give us a, a strong faith for somebody else. But when it comes to us, we don't see that way. And, and Satan is because the enemy, our flesh, so many different um, circumstances feed into the doubt that we have when it comes to ourselves. Of course, we can believe good for other people, but we don't believe good for ourselves. Um, I, I, I wanted to sort of uh, talk about this because it happens a lot, like 24-7. We all want to pray big things for ourselves. We all, we all want to God, for God to engage with us, and we've watched it, but we just can't believe it for ourselves. Um, I, I want to take you to our good buddies the disciples. Okay. Who doesn't love a disciple? I mean, except for Judas. <laughs> he, he, wasn't, maybe he wasn't the best one, but yet in this story, he was included in there. I want to talk to you guys about the feeding of the 4,000. Okay. I'm going to pick it up. Let's see. Where do they have me pick it up today? Uh, let's, let's do verse eight. Jesus had just, he'd already fed the 5,000 and voila. The, the little boy, y'all know the story. Uh, if you listen to my show, I'm sure you know the story. The little boy bought his, brought his lunch to Jesus via the disciples. Five loaves, two fish. Jesus blessed it, broke it, multiplied it, and fed everybody. 5,000 men were counted. He fed way, 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 way more than that, okay? Here's another story of the multiplication of lunch. I'm going to pick it up in Mark 8, verse 5. And he was asking them, here all these people, 4,000, have come to listen to Jesus speak, okay? They have denied themselves food. They have denied themselves sustenance, according to the text. Um, they didn't have anything to eat. And Jesus was done speaking. And he felt compassion for them and looked at them and thought to, my, to, to himself, um, man, if they leave, they're, they're not going to make it home because they have, to, they have to walk on foot home. So this is what he says. And he was asking them, how many loaves do you have? He was asking the disciples. And they said seven. He directed the people to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve to them. And they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish. And after he blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. So here they have the loaves and here they have the fish. Must have been like pizza back in the day, right? Like I feel like loaves and fish were everywhere. Now I feel like youth groups order pizza for every event, okay? And they ate and were satisfied. And they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there and he sent them away. He fed them. He blessed that the food, he fed them, and then he sent them away. And immediately he entered a boat. Now we're gonna we're gonna hang on. Um, this is where I really want to bring it home. And immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmunatha. The Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Moving down. 
He says this. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they, they being the disciples, listen closely here, they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Okay. So here he just fed 4,000 people. Him and the disciples get in a boat to travel uh, more. And the disciples only brought one loaf of bread. Now, it, it, I sit back and wonder, why didn't they grab the extra seven baskets full of bread and bring it with them? Like, I know they can freeze it back in the day, but why didn't they do that? Like, what do they do? Like, like this is men for you. I feel <laughs> sorry, Dan. Just kidding. Don't email me. Oh, my gosh. Um, they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving them orders saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Stay with me here. This narrative is fascinating. They began to discuss with one another, one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you yet do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Mic drop for Jesus. Here, these disciples are in the boat with one bread. They had seen 5,000 people fed with five loaves and two fish. They had seen 4,000 fed with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And here they're looking to themselves and they're concerned. What are we going to do with this bread? I mean, we can cut it up 12 ways. I mean, how are we going to eat? Like, what are we going to do? How is this going to go? They had seen, but they were blinded to the fact that Jesus Christ the one that multiplied the bread for others and fed the tons, thousands and thousands and thousands of people was in the boat and would do the same thing for them. This is what I'm talking about. We look to other people and we can believe for other people and we can even be like the, the, these disciples picking up the baskets of the multiplied miracle um, for other people and carrying them back to Jesus and showing Jesus, wow, look at what you just did. This is pretty impressive. But when it comes to us and we only have one loaf of bread, we are blind to the fact that the God that worked those miracles for them is the same God that wants to work a miracle for you. And Jesus kind of went a little gangster here. I mean, he was just kind of a, a little bit frustrated. He says in Mark 8, 18, I love this. Having eyes. I love when Jesus is confrontational. I love gangster Jesus, confrontational Jesus. Because sometimes I think we've gotten so nicey-nicey in our Christian world. And listen, I'm a nice person. You see me out in the street. I'm going to love you, hug you, tell you I love you. I'm going to like, you know, pet your kids. I'm going to do the, the whole thing, all right? But sometimes we we need someone to look us dead in the face and say, what are you doing? That is not mean, guys. 
That is the most loving thing that people can do to you. I teach my team. I've taught probably at this point thousands of college women, women's ministry shout out right here. I have I have taught thousands of, of, of college women this one thing. A leader is the one that says the hard thing. The hard thing that brings life, that brings change, that brings confrontation. A leader leads by saying the hard thing. Of course, you know, sandwiched in in grace and love. But we have forgotten that when that that Jesus, just as much as he is loving, he also considered confrontation a form of love. Sometimes we need someone to just say, snap out of it. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Well, I'm not going to go along with this lifestyle. You are destroying your life by thinking this way. That is not mean, guys. That's loving. I've had a couple people in my life um, that have just looked dead at me and said, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And I didn't like it in the moment. However, their constructive criticism on what I was doing led me to um, to to a life-giving path. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful. Are we true um, representatives of Christ if we just smother people with our lovey speech, but we don't confront in a loving way? Jesus was not playing around. He was frustrated. He was frustrated here. Having eyes do you not see? Having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, 12. I love that he made him answer him. When I broke seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. <laughs> I would really have hated to be in that room. I mean, don't you think they just, I mean, that's, that's, that's humbling, right? Dan is sitting here looking at me with a side eye. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? I'm fascinated at the group of people he was having this conversation with. This was not the, the, the person in the club. This was not the atheist. This was not, you know, you name the group. This was the men who followed him closely. He secured and set apart this conversation for them. I'm telling you what, when I, when I, when I read this and I, and I think I read this passage of scripture in a totally different way, um, how many of us proclaim the glory of the Lord on a daily basis. And we're authentic about it. I mean, we truly are. We're authentic about it. We're following him. We're obeying him. But when it comes to our need, we start trying to control and Lord, how are we going to divide this one loaf of bread? And the, the spirit of the living God, according to the Bible, resides in us. And the resource of 
himself is available to us. I just find this absolutely fascinating. They answered him seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? Now, so he's having this conversation and then it doesn't record him saying um, anything else. But then Jesus, the great, most genius teacher in the entire universe, shows them what he means. He's telling them, do you, have you seen, but you don't see? Have you seen what I've done, but you don't see? I can do this for you. Have you seen it, but you, don't, but you can't actually cling on to the fact that I'm going to multiply this one piece of bread and you're not going to go hungry because I'm in your boat? Do, have you seen, but you don't see? Then Jesus takes them to what I call a good old-fashioned kindergarten um, show-and-tell lesson, okay? And they came to Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to Jesus. We're still in Mark 8, guys, 822. The, the genius of this passage is blow, it just blows my mind. They brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after uh, spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again, Jesus laid his eyes on, uh, laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent them to his home saying, do not even enter the village. So here we have like Jesus, like going like, you know, angry Jesus. We see the disciples being so checked, you know, when someone checks you and you're like, oh, I don't really think I'm going to talk anymore. (laughs) That's kind of where they were. Jesus stopped the conversation and he was like, I need to show these guys a blind man that correlates with the blindness of their eyes of faith. I need to show them what I can do. I need to show them their error so they can um, uh, regain their sight and regain their trust. This is, like I said, a good old fashioned elementary like show and tell lesson, right? He shows them the blind man. He spits on, 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 on this dude's eyes, which is kind of gross. Like, why does Jesus have to use spit? But he does it because he wants to, okay? God, Jesus can do whatever he wants to do. And the first time, get this, the first time the men looked like trees and they were blurry. It, it appears from the text that, that the blind man couldn't totally see. He didn't have 20-20 vision yet, okay? They were blurry, And the second time Jesus touched his eyes, everything was clear. I wonder here if if Jesus is making a correlation of this blind man to the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. The first time, maybe the disciples were a little bit fuzzy, but the second time they should have seen clearly that Jesus was in fact the Christ. He was the one where miracles um, are stored. He was the one that has the the power to do whatever they needed to do in in correlation with, with their hunger. He 
was the source of might and strength. And, and, and they still didn't latch on. So convicting. Jesus needed them to get this. Because he knew what was in the future for them. He knew that these men would be the ones that when he was gone, when he had resurrected and was sitting at the right hand of the Father, they were going to be the ones to take the gospel into the world. They were going to be the ones to start the churches. They were going to be the ones that had to stand up for their faith and were martyred for their faith. He needed them to get this uh, uh, lesson under their belt. They were, it wasn't enough for them to see what Jesus would do for other people and not see it from themselves. They needed to know. They needed to walk. They needed maybe for the first time to believe that that same Jesus that did it for the 5,000, the 4,000, and for this blind man would act for them as well. He was teaching them a lesson. And like I said, it wasn't for the atheist. It was for the 12 that rolled the closest with him. I just kind of wonder where you're at today. Do you see what God can do for others, but you don't see what God wants to do for you? I hope this opens your eyes a little bit to whatever it is that you're wanting You know, when we become a part adopted sons and daughters in the body of Christ, we inherit so (laughs) that we inherit the the spirit of God promises. So, so many things, our inheritance is so rich and so vast and so great and so, so um, unfathomably good. And yet I, I would be shocked to know the amount of believers that only partake in a small portion of that inheritance. Well, I'm going to heaven when I die. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, you, praise God for that. And we want that. And salvation is the first step of obedience. But how are you living on this earth today? Are you a city on a hill? Are you a salt in, in a world that desperately needs it? Um, um, are you experiencing the might of the Almighty on, on your behalf? Are you just believing that for other people? I want to to stir your faith. I want to ignite something in you. You could get mad at me all you want. That's absolutely okay. You wouldn't be the first one. You definitely won't be the last. But I I, I must, in the vein of bold truth and raw faith and our mission statement, spiritually challenging the way people think, we cannot, as believers, just see these miracles happen for other people and even pray for them for other people and partake for them for other people, but not believe for ourselves. Do you see? Have you seen? But you do not see. I love this. On the way here, it's pretty funny. I um, We go over these shows on the way uh to the studio we we just do a little review do a little review and um uh, we were reading through the outlines and um we were just talking about how god is so genius <laughs> you know i mean it's like it's like the stupidest statement ever but sometimes i think we just need to sit back in awe of his word 
and think, wow, God, look at what you are saying to us on a daily basis that is available to us that will open our eyes once we get in and study it and apply it. Application is key in this um, in this instance um, and believe that you are who you say you are and you you will do according to what you promise. Um, anyway, we were in all of that. Love you guys so much. Thank you for, uh, for listening along with me today. I'm going to pray for you in the vein of gangster prayer release, uh, because I just really believe that this is for someone strong today. So Lord, as I come before you again today, I, I thank you that this convicted me first. I thank you for your constructive criticism in my life. I thank you for continually pushing me and challenging me and showing me a new part of who you are. I pray for that person today that they just can't seem to gain enough faith or they don't have the faith. God, I pray, Spirit of God, that you would speak to them in a very personal way today to ignite their faith. You would show them a side of yourself that is relates to them, that they can cling on to you and they can see the evidence that you are with them and you are working with them and you are working for them and you are for them. God, we, um, I pray that, that even the show Lord would take, um, the scales off the eyes and that some that may have been blind when they started listening to the show Lord, they would see at the end of it. We love you. We trust you with our lives in Jesus name. Amen. I'll see you tomorrow right back here on the Autumn show. The Autumn Miles Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.